Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Alessandra Mesquita. Alessandra, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Seth. Our pleasure. Tell us a little, you're up to some fascinating stuff. Tell us a little bit about your business. Um, I started as a fashion designer in 2011 um, with my brand name, Mesquita. That's my last name. And it was a successful and a very exciting ride. And last year during COVID, I launched my arts business. It was a total resilient thing. I was uh, living a house that I was um, living in Miami. Somebody made an offer to buy the property and the person got acquired eight of my art pieces. And it just became sort of like a snowball where I started working with a couple of interior designers and um, very nice art collectors. And I just feel fortunate and lucky. I'm super thrilled. All right, so let's dive a little bit deeper. Tell us about your art. Um, This is one of my pieces, as you can see here in the back, and it's made out of acrylic uh, on canvas. And I also use these treads. They're like a yarn treads. Uh, I'm mostly known for my fashion designs um, for the crochet pieces. I have been selling the same product since when I launched the brand, 2011. And every season I used to change and I used to create something new. But my first collection, that was the collection I did with crochets, kept being the collection that I sold the most. And then one day I was shopping for yarns and treads. And I saw these these yarns and I decided, I don't know why, I just had the idea to put in an art piece. And the art piece went to my house, was from my house. And then I saw that piece and then I saw another piece and another piece and I created this new, it's new in the market space. No one has ever done that. And the pieces uh, have sort of like a kinetic, expression if you may they change colors depending on the angle that you look it's uh it's really nice that is absolutely incredible now your your fashion line 
has been featured in Vogue, Bazaar, Vanity Fair, Elle, Sports Illustrated, Us, People, like literally everywhere. Talk a little bit about how you grew that business. Uh, I started, it was uh, really funny. I started making dresses when I was very young in Brazil at age 15. My mother used to make her own dresses. My grandmother's, both of them used to make their clothes because in Brazil, like the way that the fashion worked without the globalization that we're living on today, used to take six months for us to be able to buy high-end designer pieces from Dior Chanel. And usually like my parents used to travel and my mom used to go shopping. But she, she knew how to cut and sew. So sometimes she used to buy like Vogue uh, Italy or uh, Vogue Paris and rip the pages out of the magazine, go to the fabric shop, buy similar fabrics. And by the end of the day, she had either the exact same piece or a very similar like piece. So the whole world became a giant catalog. Everything was possible. And I wanted to learn how to make my own clothes. So by age 15, I really, already knew how to cut and sew. But I never liked working in the machine. I thought it was very methodic and very precise work. I like more the creative side of things. And I hire a tailor to make my own pieces. And she starts selling those pieces. And I start making those more pieces and selling. So I always had a side business as a fashion designer. But I went to business school. I never thought that I was going to grow that business. It was very like small and something just like a hobby for myself it was like knowing how to cook you know it's not because you know how to cook that in my mind that you open a restaurant or that you launch a line of products so I moved to the U.S. in 2005 and I opened a production company that was my first business in the United States and I produced a couple of events for a fashion designer his name was Christian Auger he was a French fashion designer and he had a business based in LA. And he loved what I had produced and the celebrities that I bought into place and so forth. And I relocated to work for him and his company. It was the most exciting time of my life. I learned so much from him. Uh, and he had six brands under the umbrella, OGJ Management. He was the owner of Ed Hardy, Christian Auger, and some other brands and I was I became his creative director I produced all the photo shoots for the e-commerce and for all the licensees he had over a hundred licensees for the distributors he had many international distributors all over the world it was the best school I could possibly have and <laughs> it was a lot of fun my office was a huge studio we were shooting every day we were traveling all the time producing events internationally one day he came to me and he told me that he was going to sell the company and that my position was going to be at risk if the new company didn't want to keep me and I was working for a few companies inside of the holding and immediately I thought about putting a portfolio together and I call a friend of mine that owns a magazine. And I was like, oh, maybe I go back to advertising. And I wanted to refresh my portfolio because everything was at Hardy for the previous five years. And on the fashion editorial that I produced for my friend's magazine, I put one of my dresses. We shot at the SLS Hotel in LA. 
Then as Arian was in the cover of the magazine and one of the Brazilian models I have hired, she was wearing like a Fendi fur. She had a Chanel bag, a uh, Ferragamo uh, shoes and the dress. I'm not going to say the name of the brand. It was like, it was a beautiful dress, but it didn't dress her properly. And I had just finished a beautiful silk dress with like uh, embroidery details that I had made for myself. I'm not a tall girl. I'm a five, six foot tall, but I had just picked that, that dress up from my tailor. I had a VVS tailor in Beverly Hills at the time, Flora. And the dress was very long. So I asked the stylist to run to my apartment that was like two blocks away from the SLS and pick up the dress. And we photographed it. And when the magazine was publishing the editorial, the stylist called to ask who the dress was by. And I just said, just put mosquita. And the price point was $3,000 for a silk dress. And the magazine got released and I saw 10 dresses in that month. <laughs> So I was like, oh, maybe there's something here. Just you a little know, bit. Was... <laughs> so that um, is absolutely incredible. So that longer version of that story should probably be in a book somewhere. Because to <laughs> use your analogy, if I know how to cook, I probably don't necessarily just think because I can cook, I should open a restaurant. And if right. I do take the leap and open a restaurant, I don't become known all over the world and <laughs> written about in every magazine for my restaurant. So the fact that you grew up, let's say, making your own clothes to speed up the process by which you could get something and then translated that into a global fashion brand is absolutely incredible. Thank what you. Were, what were some of the, what were a couple of the challenges you overcame along the way? Oh, there are many challenges in the business side. I think I'm still overcoming a few. One of the biggest challenges I overcame, and I'm, I feel very proud about it, is the preconception of having to have a new line at every season. Took a big break from the fashion industry because I thought it was unethical. And it was, I was like, why do I have to keep producing clothes when I have a winner product that's been in my collection since the first season and that product's still my best-selling item? Why do I have to follow this trend of all designers that are following us having five seasons a year and those seasons you have to keep producing 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 so i had lines that had like 80 100 150 SKUs a season yet i had a product that was stealing my number one style on season one so i i had to overcome that taboo that i had to keep creating new styles you know, and I just went with my gut and I trusted myself and I kept. Today, I don't even launch lines anymore. You know, spring, summer, fall, winter. I just have a few designs. They're my winter designs. I know by those designs and I just keep reproducing those. That so it's, I love that you found a way to take something the way it's always been done and you questioned it and you said wait a minute is this necessarily the right thing for the consumer do they need every new season they think to think they have to get go buy new clothes when they already have they probably don't own every single thing you already have exactly so I I got, you, i'm sorry that's okay i was gonna say i love that you did right by the consumer and change the way an industry does things talk a little bit about now um 
you're kind of doing the same thing in the art world. I mean, you've got kinetic art that changes the way you look at it. You touched it. Normally, we're told we can't touch the things that hang right. on the walls. You're right. reinventing the experience of art. Talk a little bit about what you like best about doing there. Uh, first, the creative process alone. You know, I, I, it's very, I don't know, you have to be in the present moment. It's very joyful. It's very fun to play with colors this way and to, to feel the tread every time, you know, because I have to go and create these loops back and forth. So it's extremely relaxing it's, uh, when I'm creating it, it's as if I'm in a meditated sort of space. And second of all, I feel like I'm dressing the space, you know, it's, I like to make extra large pieces and uh, the, the collectors, they really love, and the pieces, they flow with the other art pieces and with the furniture, so they don't really clash. And it's a very beautiful thing to have it on your house, to have it on your living room. It's really fun to make it. And I put a lot of love into the creation of the arts. It's really, really cool for me. I can see that. So for how are you getting the word out about the art now? How, how are you getting, how are you marketing that as opposed to the fashion brand? Uh, everything is started the same way. The, the dresses start selling on their own and the, the art as well. So I think it's a unique style. It got recognized as fine arts. Today I'm with two fine arts galleries and I have a couple of very heavy players in the art world, like a real renowned collectors have acquired my pieces so it's uh, super exciting and it's a very world to mouth uh, thing I think I'm working with a couple of interior designers I, I just catch a wave in Miami I have been very fortunate uh, during COVID I know it was a terrible time for a lot of people a lot of business went down but because of the lockdowns a lot of people from other states in the United States, decided to move to Miami. I was here, I started working with, first with a very um, high-end interior design firm called Artefato. They're also Brazilians and they started doing uh, staging for high-end luxury homes. So my first piece that sold with Artefato was in a house that sold for $18 million in Coral Gables. And then the second and the home that sold in a building called Art, that's over 22.5 million. So I just feel blessed that the pieces were in such a luxurious and high-end uh, places and that Paolo, the owner of Artefato, accepted my product. So it was just... That is absolutely incredible. Um, we greatly appreciate you taking the time to share some of your story with us. Where can our viewers and our listeners go to learn more about you, the art and the fashion brand? They can go into my Instagram. I think it's the most uh, fast uh, location. It's at Mesquita, M-E-S-K-I-T-A. And my website is mesquita.com. Thank All you right, so well, much for the opportunity and thank you for having me. Our pleasure. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Alessandra Mesquita. Check out at Mesquita and Mesquita.com. Thank you for watching or listening. We will see you or talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? 
Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.